If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 105 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on July 18th, 2021. Now, my friends, as always, Yapping Yankees is being brought to you by, obviously, yours truly, myself, and... Ball 9. Ball 9 brings you some of the best baseball content out there. Any and all baseball stories, articles, roundtable discussions, featured baseball podcasts like the very one you're listening to, Yapping Yankees, and much, much more. Visit the website. I promise you that you'll be glad that you did. That's ball9.com and follow them on all social medias at ball9. And no what you don't know. Also, guys, help to spread the word about Yapping Yankees. But at the same time, stay updated on everything with both me and the Yankees. And you could do all of that by following me on all social medias. Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds 97 and... Remember to subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees on all the platforms it's available on. Show it some love on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And holy crap, what a week it's been in Yankee land, guys. (laughs) Just going right in today. I mean, for a week with such little action as far as games, my God, do we have a boatload on the docket for today. Good lord. <laughs> well, I I hope you guys are doing well, or as well as you can be, and I hope you're ready for a wild show today, because just like this past week was, it's gonna be wild. A week that made a season that's already been what many would kindly describe to be nothing short of outrageous and cursed in a lot of ways, amongst other things seem even more outrageous and cursed. A week that truly had all of us asking at one point or another, what the hell is happening? (laughs) Like I said, a week with few games to discuss. But that doesn't mean it's left us with little to talk about, because it definitely hasn't. Definitely not. We've got the second COVID outbreak for the Yankees this year, and unlike the first where it was mainly people within the organization behind the scenes, this one affected the players. And as a result of all of it, what we've been waiting for for a while and have spoken about has happened. Although we all wish it was under different circumstances, but it resulted in certain call-ups from the minor leagues too like Trey Ambergy and Hoy Park. But a few others returned as well, because, well, they need them right now. (laughs) 
The draft also happened Sunday. I'll talk about a couple of the Yankees picks quickly as well. There were also a bunch of promotions down in the minor leagues for a few key Yankee prospects. Obviously, some injury news, as always, like Britain returning again, Voigt getting hurt again. Got a lot to say about that. And awful news with Tim LoCastro from last night, who, as we know, was brought here just a mere couple of weeks ago for a little help with the Yankees' disgraceful outfield, meant to provide some good defense and speed. Not a big long-term solution, as we've said, but just supposed to add a bit of what the Yankees horribly lack, obviously. And you got horrible news on him that you just hate to hear, no matter who it is. And we'll talk about all of that later as well. And of course, since there were little to no games this past week thanks to the All-Star break, and partially because of the COVID outbreak canceling Thursday's game, we'll go over the first two against Boston from the last couple of nights. But before we do all of that in our news and recap segment later on, let's waste no further time and jump to our social media segment for this week, which was a Q&A after this week of bizarre hell. <laughs> so much happened that I couldn't even begin to think of just one single question to ask you guys, whether it be a poll or an open-ended question. So <laughs> I gave all of you the floor again to ask me questions. So let's hear some of them. I'll read as many as I can, a few on Twitter and then a few over on Instagram. So what do you say we get this whacked out episode after a whacked out week started? <laughs> on Twitter, our first question comes from at Cool Simmons. And actually, just before I get into this, just in case any question warrants this sort of a disclaimer, just know that all of these questions were submitted before last night's game, before Saturday night's game. So, all right. Cool Simmons says, hi, Mike. First time, long time. <laughs> I swear, you guys are like my phone callers. <laughs> Do you think the Yankees sell some short-term pieces and acquire long-term pieces at the deadline? I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> oh, boy. More deadline questions. I would be remiss if I didn't expect this, but... The deadline is a matter of two weeks away, so it's just getting closer and closer. And I imagine from now until then, we're going to be seeing a lot of action. But regardless of whether the Yankees get long-term pieces or just rentals for the rest of the year, I think we all know that if the Yankees are buyers, which they've made clear that they most likely will be, depending on whether or not they sink like stones, as Cashman put it, but I think it's been made clear that if they're buyers, they're just going to be looking for outfielders. I don't know whether they'll be long-term or short-term. Nobody does. But they better be looking for outfielders. And they have a lot of areas of need. They could use a starting pitcher. And in light of what just happened with Luke Voigt again, you could even maybe use a first baseman. I don't know how long Luke Voigt's injury is going to be for. Nobody does. And they could probably use an outfielder or a starter much more than a first baseman. But you might even glance over at a first base option. Or maybe you wait till the offseason to address that. But depending on what happens in the next two weeks, guys, you know, the Yankees have their work cut out for them. Whether they be buyers or sellers, it depends on how this series with the Red Sox ends, it depends on how the two games this week with the Phillies go, and it depends how next weekend also against the Red Sox goes, and Tampa Bay after that, and then by then you're at the deadline. So, by then we should definitely know where the Yankees are at and what they should or shouldn't do at the deadline. And a lot of people have been saying what they should do for sure for weeks and weeks. But I've been stressing it for weeks now. 
the Yanks still have vital games ahead of them. They did manage to win a rain-aided game last night, and based on what happens tonight and over the course of the next two weeks, that'll be an even clearer indicator on what they should do. But you best believe that regardless right now, they better at least be looking at the market for some outfielders. At least looking. I mean, whether it be Gallo or either of the Martes. Like I said, I doubt you're getting Cattell. Starling might even cost quite a bit of prospects, or depending on if you trade anybody on the big league roster, I don't know. But he might cost a bit too, because even though he's a right-handed hitter only, I mean, he just hits everybody, and he's a terrific defender, so he's a great option And Gallo, he's a lefty, he strikes out a lot, but he hits for a lot of power, so in that sense, he's a lot like what this Yankee lineup already contains, as I've said, but he does address a big area of need for this team, being a lefty, he does walk a lot, and he's also a terrific defender. And I know there are a lot of Yankee fans out there who are big fans of him, or aren't big fans of him, because he's just a lot of what we already see in this lineup, as far as the striking out and the power. And I hear what both sides say, but if they are to get him, I don't think they could afford to stop there. I think they need to keep going. Whether it be getting another outfielder on top of him, or addressing another area of need, like starting pitching, maybe. And in that area, a lot of people have mentioned Max Scherzer. They've mentioned Herman Marquez from the Rockies. They've mentioned Duffy from the Royals. They've mentioned Gibson. Just a bunch of different names thrown out there. I could go on all day with these names that have been thrown out there for the deadline. But I don't know, because it's tough to tell at the deadline. It depends on what other teams ask for. Usually, a lot of other teams tend to ask for a lot more from the Yankees than they do other organizations, because it's the Yankees. (laughs) So it all depends. It's tough to tell whether they'll definitely be giving away some short-term pieces for long-term pieces, or vice versa, or what's going to happen in these deals that are to take place. But if the Yankees are still buyers... Come the next couple of weeks, or within the next couple of weeks, depending on what happens in these next couple of series, they better already be looking at some outfielders, because outfield is the main area of need. It's a disaster out there. It's a tragedy. (laughs) So they need to be looking into that. It's just tough to give definitive answers for trading questions, especially with the deadline, before it happens, because there are just so many factors involved in speculations with trades and everything, so... Alright, up next we have at just a kid from JP, and they ask, I just want to know what it's going to take for this organization to make changes, because what can they really do with the contracts they signed? The answer is they can't, even if they miss the playoffs. Well, I think they could certainly make internal changes, whether it be to coaches, to manager, some might even say general manager. I know there are a lot of people who want Cashman's head. (laughs) I mean, even if... I've stated multiple times on this show that a firing of Aaron Boone I don't think would do all that much because obviously the core fundamentals, beliefs, and philosophies of this Yankee organization go well above him and involve way more people than just him. And I've said that many times and I think it's the truth based on what I hear about the Yankees organization on the regular and based on what you just see from them with your own eyes. There are a lot more people behind the scenes that I feel have a lot more input when it comes to decision-making. I'm sure Boone is part of it, but he's definitely not alone. Definitely not. But you could definitely make some internal changes, and I definitely think that would need to happen in the event of not making the playoffs with a team that came into this year with the expectations that they had. 
as I've said many times, I think not making the playoffs would be utterly unforgivable and unexcusable, but you'll also have to address areas of need in the offseason. Depending on what happens at the deadline, you might have to acquire another starting pitcher or maybe look within if any of the prospects happen to be ready to go by next year. You're going to have to address the outfield, probably. Again, depending on what happens at the deadline. And maybe you look at getting some contracts that cost a lot off the payroll. A lot of people have said that they wouldn't mind letting go of Britton and Chapman if anybody would be willing to take them. A couple of very expensive relievers right there. And after this season, despite my respect for him, for his loyalty to this organization over the years, you would think it's finally time to get Brett Gardner off the payroll. And that would be part of maybe looking to sign other pieces. A lot of pieces that are being thrown around for the deadline that might be free agents by year's end. Or maybe you try to get them in trades. I mean, there's just so many things that could happen. And in the middle of the season, it's tough to really give specific examples, but there's no doubt the Yankees have a lot of tough contracts on their payroll. Contracts that cost quite a bit of money. I mean, people are quick to mention Stanton. People are quick to mention Britton or Chapman. Obviously, Cole's contract is huge, but I'm not getting rid of Garrett Cole, so that's another story. But in any event, yeah, I would say that not making the playoffs is a pretty big motivator to make some big changes in the (laughs) offseason. Next, we have Eric at Medic968, and Eric asks, How much do you believe Torres is part of the solution versus part of the problem for this year and in the future? Does he clog the infield and continue to hit below expectations, or does he solidify the infield and hit 287 and 35 home runs again? Well, I think it's been well established by me and many others through the first few months of the year now, through the first halfway point, give or take, that outside of Clint Frazier when he was playing, that Glaber is definitely the biggest disappointment and biggest underachiever of this Yankees squad this year. There's no doubt about that. He has been unbelievably, incomprehensibly disappointing. And I can't account for the future and what the Yankees may or may not do to help him turn this thing around. But as far as this year, there is no doubt that he has been a major part of the problem as far as underperforming, and the overall problems that this lineup and this offense has been experiencing this year. He has been a major part of it. He's been in the middle of it, if you ask me. Let alone the complete vanishing of his power, even though he just hit a home run for the first time in what feels like an eternity last night, (laughs) just his fourth one of the year. Despite all of that, he just doesn't really hit much at all anymore. His swing seems off balance. The big leg kick and just just the whole thing. He just collapses on that swing and he's lost the ability to hit. I mean, we've spoken time and time again on this show about the mechanics of Glaber's swing and just how he just seems so off balance. I mean, it could be mechanical and it could be mental. I think it could be a little bit of both. But he's definitely been a part of the problem. And even with people saying that he's not a shortstop, not a shortstop... I mean, in the future, if you were to get rid of Luke Voigt, maybe you think of putting DJ at first or just getting another guy to play first and sliding Glaber back over to second and then getting someone else for short. Or maybe you put Geo at short because Geo's proven even be a good shortstop whenever he plays there, making some good plays. 
But then if Geo's going to play short, then you got to find a replacement for third. You could do a whole bunch of things. There are a whole bunch of scenarios here. But Glaber has definitely been a major part of the problem this year. And if there's not some major turnaround before the end of this year, and these problems continue throughout the entire 2021 season, I can't account for the future, but this offseason, they have got to work with this kid. I mean, if they don't eventually give him away, but they've got to work with him. They have got to work with him. Because they've relied on him to be too big a part of this team for him to be this bad for the long term in the future. They just can't have it happen. They've got to work with him. And it's incredible to me how little of adjustments I've seen over time with him remarkably underperforming as it is so far. So I'm sure there's work being done behind the scenes, but I don't know how much because I haven't really seen many adjustments being made. But for the future, they've got to work with him even more, like all the time, if this doesn't turn around. And I hope it does, because for crying out loud, before we know it, in a couple of weeks, it's going to be August. And like it or not, with this current roster, he's too important. He's got to get going. Build on last night's home run and go on a tear. Next, we have at Mike LePoul, and Mike asks, There's a ton of trade candidates coming up approaching the deadline. Do you think the Yankees will trade for Max Scherzer? If not, who do you think the Yankees will be pursuing? Well, Scherzer is definitely a candidate out there. There's no doubt about that. And when it comes to the Yankees with starting pitching, he's definitely amongst the first, if not the first, always mentioned by Yankee fans, and understandably so. Even though he's had his injury struggles this year, whenever he's out there, Scherzer continues to be as good as he's ever been, despite him being in his late 30s. He's just an incredible pitcher. But... I don't really see the Yankees going after him. I think if they're buyers, I think they'll believe the cost is too great with how much they'll have to give away for him. I just don't think they'll go after him. I think they'd rather go after someone like a Gibson, maybe, or a Marquez, even if he costs a lot, too. But I don't see them going after Max Scherzer. I see them going in the direction much more of looking for an outfielder, which they need. And by the way, trust me, this is not to say that I wouldn't want Scherzer. I would love Scherzer. I'm just saying what I think the Yankees will do. But the outfield is undoubtedly the biggest area of need. It's nothing short of a travesty. So I think they'll be looking for outfielders and all those names I mentioned before. I mean, you could be talking about either of the Martes. Even though I don't think they'll get Cattell, I think he'll cost an unbelievable amount. You could be talking about Starling. And of course, you could be talking about Joey Gallo. In the case of Starling Marte, even though he's a righty, I don't care. The guy hits everybody, and he provides some great defense out there in center. He's probably my favorite one, and I imagine the Marlins would want a lot of prospects for him, especially if they plan on chipping in on his contract. And Joey Gallo, you have him. I mentioned all of his attributes, all of the things he brings to the table for the Yankees as well. Great defender, walks a lot, hits for a lot of power, but also strikes out a lot. A lot of what you see with the Yankees already. And another plus, if you want to keep him for another year, is that he is arbitration eligible for next year. So he's another option. Oh, and the other one I forgot. There was, I knew I was forgetting one. The other one is Mitch Hanniger. A lot of people mention him with the Mariners, but you also have to watch the Mariners because I don't know what they'll be planning to do because they have been playing some pretty good baseball. So I don't really know what they plan on doing at the deadline as of now, but... 
in case they do plan on moving Hanniger, he could definitely be another option. He's 30 years old. He's only earning $3 million this year, and next year he is arbitration eligible as well, like Gallo is. So that could be another option too. So yeah, I guess all those names are the answers to your question. I mean, I think the biggest area of need for the Yankees, as I've well established, is the outfield. They need to get an outfielder. Or even better, outfielders, plural. Because even as I said before, and we'll be talking about much more later in News and Recap, even the guy who you got via trade just to help out in the outfield mere weeks ago is out now. So the Yankees outfield is remarkably depleted. They need help, and that should be the main area of concern. Again, if, of course, they do ultimately, definitely end up being buyers. Up next is at Andrew Caruso 77 and Andrew asks, Do you think the Yanks won't renew Boone's contract after this year if they don't turn it around? Yeah, I've said it over and over again on this show that I think if the Yankees are to not make the playoffs this year in inexcusable and unforgivable fashion, that Aaron Boone will be the fall guy. Whether or not it changes much in the organization, I believe that he will be the fall guy, and they will not renew his contract. They'll just let him go. They'll get rid of him. So yeah, I do think that they won't renew his contract afterwards if they don't turn it around. Yeah. And regardless of how much change it would or wouldn't bring to the organization, and regardless of how much say he has or doesn't have in the day-to-day decisions of the organization, as you probably know, I've given my opinions on all of that, and as I've said, I wouldn't be against it. Next is my friend Spencer, at MusicianDMD, and Spencer asks, The Yankees and fans are urging Stanton to play left field. Myself... I don't want to risk losing him to an on-field injury. I don't think it makes the Yankees better. I don't think it improves their chances of making a run. The risks outweigh the rewards. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this has been a big topic of discussion in light of the Yankees outfield dilemma. Stanton playing in the outfield, I know. My take on it is basically that when Stanton came to the Yankees, I think that they expected him largely to be the designated hitter. So I don't think that they've gotten much different than what they expected. But in times like this, if the Yankees absolutely need it, especially if it's a matter of opening up that DH spot for a certain game to allow another piece to play, maybe a Gary Sanchez when Higashioka is to come back or what have you, if it opens up that DH spot, then yeah, it would definitely help that Stanton's able to play the outfield. So for the purposes of the lineup, if it allows you to have a bit more wiggle room to play around with things and maybe get someone in there who would otherwise have the day off because the DH hole is plugged up, then yeah, it would certainly help if Stanton was able to play the outfield a little bit. Not to mention that when he did used to play the outfield, he wasn't bad. He was a good defender. And I get the fear of losing him to injury, and obviously the Yankees do too because, I mean, they treat him like a piece of glass. I mean, I definitely think that a part of him not playing in the outfield is because the Yankees just don't want him to. I wouldn't be surprised if Stanton himself wants to play the outfield. I'm sure he does a little bit. But the thing that confuses me is that they're saying, oh, he'll be ready in about a week or two maybe. He's ramping up, as they put it, ramping up to play the outfield. I seem to recall a few weeks ago that they were saying that he would be ready after ramping up to play the outfield sometime in, like, early July. I mean, what happened to that? Stanton himself was the one that said that. 
So, I don't know. It sounds like they're still prepping him to play the outfield. I don't know how long it takes to prep to play the outfield. But in any event, I get not wanting to lose him to an on-field injury with him playing the outfield. But, I mean, let's be honest. Stanton gets hurt even DHing all the time. So what exactly would be the difference? (laughs) I know, of course, the difference would be if he gets hurt in the outfield and you put him in the outfield and that's why he got hurt. I understand that. But... How many times has he gotten hurt being the DH as it is? So why not, if he's ready, put him in the outfield so that it gives you more maneuvering to do with the lineup? So I don't know how friggin' long it takes to ramp up to play the outfield, but I think it would definitely help them to have that as an option. Maybe not always, but if they would like to put someone else in the lineup that otherwise couldn't be there because the DH hole is plugged up, Maybe be able to put Stanton in the outfield some days. I think it would definitely be a big help. And if it does give someone else an opportunity to be in the lineup who otherwise wouldn't be, then I think that could help the Yankees be better on certain days. I mean, who knows? They could definitely make individual differences here and there. And I don't think it's that tall of an order for someone like Giancarlo Stanton to just go out there and play the outfield every now and again so that maybe somebody else in the lineup who would otherwise have the day off because they can't be the DH could be in there and maybe help them win the game. So that's my take on it, Spencer. I definitely understand you not wanting to lose him to an on-field injury, but I mean, how many injuries has he had already as a DH? (laughs) So if he can go out there to help the team in the sense of maybe getting somebody else some at-bats by making them the DH in a certain game, then yeah, do it. Make it happen. Next, we have Rob at Laker 477, and Rob asks... Do you believe Hal and Cashman will pull the trigger on a big deal before the deadline? And if so, what player do you see coming to the Bronx, and who do you see leaving? Well, if anything's done, I think, as I've said, it'll be an outfielder, because that's their biggest area of need. As far as who leaves, I, I really don't know whether it be guys on the roster already, or whether it be prospects, and I think it largely depends on who they go after. If they go after Starling Marte, you're probably going to have to part with quite a few prospects and maybe upper level because Starling Marte is really good. And as always, the Marlins are going to be looking for those kids. And Joey Gallo might cost a bit too because not only because of his ability at the plate and he's a good defender, but also because he's arbitration eligible for another year, as I said. And that has some value for a lot of organizations. So... It all depends. And again, when the Yankees are involved, a lot of organizations sometimes ask more from them than they would another team. So I hate to constantly give it depends sort of answers for who would be leaving, but as far as who would they be targeting, it's simple. An outfielder. They've got to be looking at outfielders right now. And they could very well be scouting the market for starting pitchers too, as I've said that they could very well use. There's no doubt about that. But the main area of concern, at least to start, has to be the outfield. It has to be. And of course, the closer we get to the deadline, as has been the case for weeks now, the more answers we'll have, both as far as where the Yankees are and also where other teams are, both in their respective seasons and who they plan on giving away and who they aren't planning on giving away. All right, let's do another one or two more here on Twitter, and then we'll do a few over on Instagram, and then we'll recap this... I don't even know what else to call it, other than this friggin' nuts week that just passed. (laughs) All right, up next we have at NYYFanForever96, and they ask, are the Yanks done for this season? 
<laughs> oh boy. Well, I, my confidence is still basically where it was before the All-Star break because, I mean, not much has changed. There have only been two games played since then. Two very important games against probably the most important opponent for the Yankees and the Red Sox, and they've each won one game. So there are still many more vital games to be played, so I guess my confidence in this season is exactly where it's been for a few weeks now, as I've said. Is it over yet? No, but it's looking pretty bleak. (laughs) That much is true, but it's not over for sure yet, because if the Yankees win this series in tonight's game and then do very well at Fenway next weekend... Maybe they have a two-game sweep of the Phillies this week, and they take care of Tampa the following week, and the deadline arrives, and they get their necessary pieces to make a solid run at this thing. It's a lot of ifs, I know. (laughs) Trust me, I know. That's why the confidence is pretty low. But I need more time to see how a lot of these other vital games play out in order to determine whether the Yankees are done yet or not. Along with also what happens at the deadline, too. That's another factor. So... I don't think they're quite done yet, but as I've said the last few weeks, I'm basically in the same place I was then, now, after a split against the Red Sox so far, that while my confidence is extremely low, and this team just continues to often drain the life out of what's already my Yankee corpse, (laughs) I haven't written them off 100% just yet. But like I said, that could be completely different by next week. Completely different. Honestly, it could even be different after tonight. I mean, one thing I can tell you is that Jameson Tyone has a stupid amount of pressure on him tonight. He has it in his favor that his last couple of starts have been really good, but tonight's pressure is off the charts. (laughs) So, as I often say, we shall see. Alright, let's squeeze in one more here on Twitter. One more! Next, we have Rebecca at Peace Now for Life rounding things off on Twitter. And Rebecca asks, if you were Hal Steinbrenner, what do you do to fix this team now and for the upcoming years? You control trades, money, contracts, etc. Thanks, Mike. Well, you're welcome, Rebecca. <laughs> well, if I'm Hal Steinbrenner, basically what he does, you know, he basically tells Brian Cashman how much money he can and can't spend and then tells Cashman, here you go. Do what you think is right. And if I'm Hal Steinbrenner in that situation, I am the owner of one of the richest sports franchises on the face of the earth. I tell Brian Cashman, here, here's the deal. We're the Yankees, and we should be winning championships. We haven't won one in almost 15 years. Here's the money. You can go nuts like the Dodgers do. Get me a championship this year. And if you have to go over it, then don't worry about the tax. Don't worry about it. I got it. It may sound dumb from a money management standpoint, but you know what? I'm the owner of the Yankees. I'm filthy stinking rich. The organization is filthy stinking rich. And if I know that what I say may make or break something necessary that the Yankees might have to do, then I'm given the go-ahead. Give Cashman or whoever's my general manager the go-ahead to get that guy that we need, coordinate with everybody else in the organization, have a very hands-on approach about what the Yankees need to be a championship team, and get them and win a title. Bring a title back to the Yankees. Because, hello, that's what it's all about if you're the Yankees. So as generalized as that answer might be, that's <laughs> that's what I do. Because I'm Hal Steinbrenner, I'm in control of the money and how much is spent. I'm in control of how much wiggle room that my general manager has. It should be as simple as this. I'm doing whatever it takes to bring a title back to the New York Yankees organization. 
Because as an owner, that's my job. And I would have a very hands-on approach. The Yankees make a stupid amount of money in all kinds of ways. Do what you gotta do to bring a championship back home. And with that being said, my friends, that is all for the Q&A on Twitter. I want to thank each and every one of you tweeters out there for submitting a question for me to read here on the show. If I didn't get to you, you know the deal. There's just so many of you that submit questions and submit replies to open-ended questions and polls on other social media segments. It's just not possible for me to get to all of you. I really am sorry, but just keep on trying. Every single week, keep on trying. There's a social media segment basically on every single episode, more or less. So don't give up. I believe in you. (laughs) But if you want to read the replies for yourself, if you want to read the questions rather for yourself, then just go to the Q&A tweet on my Twitter page, at Mike Scudero, and just look at the questions in the comments. They're all right there for you. But before we go to news and recap, let's head on over to Instagram and answer a few questions on there. If I had to say, then I would say so far in this segment, trade deadline questions have really dominated the segment, so let's see if Instagram brings anything else to the table. Let's start off with my good friend Tina at MountainGal456, and Tina asks, how do you feel at this point about the Yankees making the playoffs this season? Well, I basically said it before, I'm between my confidence being extremely low and saying that they won't make the playoffs. I'm between there, because... My confidence is extremely low based on what we've seen so far, but it is also true that the Yankees currently right now and still to come have a lot of vital games ahead of them that if they win the vast majority of them, or maybe even all of them by some miracle, (laughs) that they could very well still be in the running for a playoff spot, whether it be division or wild card. And I know the more likely one is definitely the wild card. Don't get me wrong. I know that. (laughs) So... I'm not feeling great, Tina, but the slightest, slightest part of me is still holding out a little, little itty bit of hope (laughs) because of the deadline to come and because of all the games they have left against Tampa, especially the Red Sox, and even against other opponents that might be around them in the wildcard hunt. So there's still like the slightest part of me that's still hoping, but extremely low confidence, extremely low. But with so many vital games ahead, it's tough for me to 100% write them off right now. Despite how near impossible of a task this is, especially with them missing all the guys they are with the COVID outbreak, like Judge and Geo and so on, which we're going to talk about in a bit. But it's looking damn near impossible. It really is, especially in light of the COVID outbreak. But it'll probably be a bit more clear by next week and the week after. But you best believe that despite my inability to 100% write them off, that my confidence is dangerously low. There is no doubt about that. Official 52011 is next, and they ask, what do you think is the problem with this team? Oh my goodness, where do I start? (laughs) Their outfield is depleted. Their starting pitching is unstable, outside of Garrett Cole, of course. They don't play good defense, they're slow, they can't run the bases, and even the bullpen, which was the most stable part of the team through the first couple of months, has now become unstable as well. They can't hit to save their lives, especially situationally with runners in scoring position. Most of the team is underperforming. Uh, Their core fundamentals and beliefs with the way they play the game. 
a little bit of injuries as usual. I think even COVID can be named a problem now, especially in such a crucial part of the season in extremely crucial games like those of this weekend. Just, I I mean, there are just so many. (laughs) There are so many. I'm just like inundated. My brain is like trying to process a million different problems right now. So you'll have to excuse me if I missed one, but (laughs) if I did, then let me know. But I tried to hit as many as possible. Bottom line is, this is an inconsistent team with a lot of issues. (laughs) And a lot of people consider those issues to be fatal and that they have no chance. And it's tough to argue with those necessarily because those problems are true. They have a lot of problems, this team. And we have hit on every single one individually. A lot, as a lot of you know. So, hope I got them all. (laughs) Alright, let's finish up with the usual final two in My Amazing Girlfriend and Amazing Mother. First up is my girlfriend Vic Salimo, and she asks, How would you handle the Yankees lineup differently? Well, you see, right now, that's a tough question. (laughs) Because with all the people out, Judge, Gio, and who's out with injury like Voight, I mean, it's just, it's really tough to know who to put where right now with the limited amount of options you have with the lineup at the moment. That's a tough question right now. If the lineup is at full strength, then that's a bit easier, but right now especially, that's that's really tough. You just almost throw anybody wherever. (laughs) I think the last day or two, that's just about the best you could do with the lineup because it's really really tough. I mean, the thing that I would do very differently than the Yankees are doing right now is that instead of playing like a Rugnetto Door so much or maybe even like a Tyler Wade, I'm putting in Amberge and Park more because you brought them up because you need them. You might as well see what they've got in this time period where there are little to no other options. And those two have, if you ask me, certainly earned some playing time after the damage they've done in the minors. So, especially in the case of Hoy Park, I would definitely incorporate them more in this time right now. But otherwise, it's really tough at the moment. It's really, really tough. Maybe you just pick names out of a hat. (laughs) When the lineup's at full strength, if I had to go 1 through 9 really quick, I'd say maybe... I know a lot of people want DJ moved down in the order, but he's he's been doing a bit better lately. So, keep DJ in leadoff for now, I guess. Then keep Judge in the two-hole, I suppose. I would put Gio in the three-hole because someone as good a hitter as him needs more at-bats and needs to be in that important part of the lineup. So I'd maybe put him in the three-hole. Keep Stanton in the four-hole because, you know, he's your big power hitter. i keep him there. Then maybe put Voight in the five-hole. Probably Gary sixth. Glaber seventh. And then the final two remaining outfield positions, I assume if you're still going with, even though obviously he's hurt now, but if you want to go with before the All-Star break, if you want to do a toss-up between LeCastro and Gardner, as much as you all know, I hate continuing to put Gardner out there, but if you must, then do a toss-up between them for eight or nine. But the main batters being one through seven at full strength... That's basically what I'd do with the lineup with that, which is, it's not too many changes from what the Yankees have already done, but that's probably the order that I put them in. But again, with the lineup the way it is right now, with little to no options available, 
it's tough to really put any definitive lineup together and have it be like, yeah, great lineup, great job, because there's just little to no one to go with. You're basically going with people who you're forced to go with at this point, because with Judge and Geo out, Voight hurt, and with the team just all kinds of banged up, whether it be from injuries or COVID, either one, then your options are limited. So not many right answers. So I hope that answers your question, Vic. Let's finish up, as always, with my mom, Julia Gina Scudero. And my mom asks, My question is, when is this horrific baseball season going to end? (laughs) It's cruel torture at this point. Can't really disagree there. It's obvious that the Steinbrenners, Cashman, Boone, and the players don't give a damn about winning this year. Do you feel the same way? Not even the COVID vaccines they've received have proven to help spread the virus less as everyone is catching it like wildfire multiple times this year. I'm completely disheartened, wondering what your professional opinion is. (laughs) Well, listen, Mom, I'm not going to fault you for being emotional about the way this season has gone. It has been a tough one to get through. There's no doubt about that. The 2021 season has been one of just bizarre and cursed nature. It's just been outrageous. As far as them not caring, I mean, (laughs) they have their games where they go out there looking pretty damn flat. Nobody's going to argue with that. I mean, because that's just the truth. As far as them not caring, I don't know how true that is because then I don't think they'd be doing this if they didn't care. (laughs) But I understand what you mean by them looking unbelievably flatlined some days because they do. So I, I, I get what you mean by that. So I don't necessarily agree with the fact that they don't care about what they're doing or care about winning because then I don't think they'd waste their time even playing. But I do get what you mean by when you say they don't care because you're my mom and I know you. So, <laughs> But that's basically what I feel about that. And about the COVID vaccines, yeah, the Yankees got Johnson & Johnson I'm like 99.9% positive that those are the vaccines they received in their vaccine round. And they did hit the 85% threshold of 85% of the organization getting the vaccination. So they didn't have to follow certain things as far as like wearing masks in the dugout and things like that. But yeah, this is their second outbreak of the year. And it couldn't have come at a worse time if you ask me with the crucial games they had coming out of the break right away in a crucial push for the playoffs in the second half, it couldn't have come at a worse time. And the vaccine, of course, isn't supposed to totally eliminate the chances for transmission of the virus, but it is supposed to decrease it, along with it, of course, not allowing the virus to be fatal or to send you to the hospital, for instance. And I think I heard that one out of the six Yankees who have the virus right now does not have the vaccine, but in any event, it's still spreading badly in both of the outbreaks the Yankees had, even with the vast majority of the organization vaccinated. And I also know from data that Johnson & Johnson has the lowest effectiveness rate, but as far as this, I'm no doctor, but it's been pretty strange, yeah. The last couple outbreaks, it's spread pretty significantly, and I hope it doesn't happen again because the Yankees can't afford for this to be happening in such important parts of the season. And of course, also, it goes without saying, you hope the players end up being okay too, especially the one who's unvaccinated. But yeah, it's pretty strange. It's 
kind of weird. I definitely think they ought to look into that a little bit. But those are basically my opinions on it. Mom, I totally get what you mean by what you're saying, especially, again, mostly because you're my mom. (laughs) And I know what you mean by what you say, even if others don't. But I'm not going to fault you for feeling completely frustrated and or disheartened over this season because a lot of people are. A lot of people are. And I totally get it. You've seen firsthand about how many games have driven me to the point of insanity nearly. (laughs) So, yeah, those are my opinions on it, Mom. And those are my opinions on all your questions. And I thank all of you for submitting them. All of you. Again, Twitter, Instagram, you are all awesome. I love each and every one of you. And again, I want to apologize once more because I really do feel bad about it when I don't get to all of you. But I am sorry to those who I didn't get to, but... For next week's social media segment and all the ones after that, just keep on leaving those comments, whether they be questions for Q&As or just responses on poll questions or open-ended questions, whatever it is. Just keep on trying, guys. But again, thank you to each and every one of you, as always. Okay, it's that time to recap this week that's hard to believe is even real. Hit the Yapping Yankees time machine. Let's go back to last Sunday. All right. So, (laughs) obviously, as I had been saying throughout this whole episode, this past week was just a trip and a half. (laughs) I mean... There's really no other ways to describe it other than just being downright outrageous. Just one thing after another, after another, after another, with no end seemingly in sight. And you know what? I just got a notification on my phone, and I'll tell you something else. It still isn't over. (laughs) Because as I'm recording around the middle of the afternoon now, since we got a night game tonight, of course... I'm able to record a little later in the day than usual. I usually record like in the late morning into the early afternoon before a 1 o'clock game or during the very beginning of a 1 o'clock game, towards the end of the episode at least. But today, since it's a night game for the Yankees and Red Sox, I started a little later than usual. And there was just a news report that came out about Darren O'Day. So it seems like the injury saga, along with all the other crap, still isn't over. (laughs) It has been announced that His hamstring injury seems to be an injury that's going to keep him out for the rest of the season. (sighs) So much for being excited for him. You guys know how excited I was for him before the season, when they signed him. Because O'Day has had a really good last two years, and injuries have been a problem for him in the past at times, but he's had a pretty respectable career as a reliever. There's no secret about that. So... I thought he would be a huge addition to this bullpen, and it's really a shame because when he's pitched this year, he's been really good. He's been fine, with the exception of maybe a couple outings, if that. He's been really good. Can't stay on the field, though. His hamstring, the one that was surgically repaired three years ago and is now hurt again, keeps him out for the rest of this season. So that's a hit for the bullpen. That's a hit. And of course, even though they don't have him right now, they have someone in the likes of Jonathan Luizaga, who is incredible. So they do have other names like him who could cover a loss like this, but Darren O'Day, his loss is still pretty big, because when he pitched, he was was pretty valuable. 
That stinks. <laughs> I'm really bummed out about that. I'm really bummed out. So just when you thought it was over for the week or for the weekend or whatever, it's not. Because <laughs> it never is. So Darren O'Day is done for the year. And if you remember from last week's episode, we did mention this injury on that show since it had just happened, really. But now, we finally have an answer as to his legitimate timetable going forward this week, as of today. And he is officially out for the season. So who knows what is of his future for now, but it's certainly not a good thing when a surgically repaired part of your body gets this significant of an injury yet again. And especially at his age, he's not really young anymore. He's in his late 30s. So, best of luck to him, and my God, am I bummed out about this news. And this is before I even get to all the other COVID and injury stuff, and all the other crap that happened throughout this past week. (laughs) So let's just get to all of it. Obviously, with the All-Star break, and also with the COVID outbreak, (laughs) obviously there were, before all that, Really just the four games against the Red Sox to recap. But obviously now not anymore with what happened. But we'll talk about that in a bit. If we look back really quick at last Sunday's brutal loss to the Astros. If you remember last week, future Mike, as I've come to call him. I guess you could call him my sort of yapping Yankees alter ego. When I pop in as I edit in the nighttime every once in a blue moon. (laughs) But... He had a rant about it already last week. So there's not much more to say about that than what I already said both last week on this show and on social media, particularly on Twitter as usual. But my God, that was just an awful way to go into the break. And I know the Yankees won the series in the grand scheme of things, and I'm happy about that. But after all the great trolling Like I said last week, after all of that, again, the jersey pull that Altuve did two years ago, and Judge mimicking all of that, and then the whole coat thing after Judge said he only mimicked that whole thing with Altuve because it gets chilly indoors at Minute Maid Park, (laughs) it was all so great. Until Altuve, again, like he also did on his birthday in the beginning of May, got the last laugh. And you could think what you want about the little jerk. I can't stand him either. But you know what? In the big moments against the Yankees, he constantly comes through. And that in itself, let alone after all the trolling and even Cole's spectacular start the night before, is maddening on levels I can't even comprehend. Within 24 hours... From an unbelievable high to another massive low. After Tyone's good start too that day, and the offense putting up seven runs, and again, another meltdown at the end. Which I also said last week, before I even knew the result of last Sunday's game, had been a big theme of late. And then it happened again. Ah, so, despite winning the series, it was just so crappy that after everything that had happened, witnessing yet another ninth-inning meltdown capped off by none other than Altuve yet again, it was incomprehensibly maddening. 
and it's losses like this one, and it certainly wasn't the first in this sort of fashion, that make it tough for a lot of people to take this team any sort of seriously. But anyways, after that, obviously, we had the All-Star break, you had the draft, and the Yanks drafted a kid named Trey Sweeney in the first round. Said to be a pretty good hitter, he's developing some power, a shortstop that has defensive versatility, apparently, and might even end up being a corner outfielder? I don't know. (laughs) This is what's been said. And then there's Brendan Beck, who they drafted in the second round, right-handed pitcher, and they say that he may actually be close to the majors already. Not really much development needed, really. So that's fascinating. So the draft had some interesting moments. (laughs) We'll see what happens with those two going forward. And in the meantime, as I also said earlier in the show, lots of kids in the minors were also promoted. Jason Dominguez, Ryder Green, and Aldenis Sanchez were promoted to the Tampa Tarpons. That's low A ball for those who don't know. And it's great to see Dominguez promoted. He was also in the Futures game, and he's obviously a top 25 prospect in all of baseball. And people can't wait to see him someday. I've mentioned him plenty on this show, and... There's been tons of film with him playing with the Tarpons lately, and a lot of people are impressed with his power, his hitting ability. Only thing is that he definitely looks like he could afford to learn how to slide better. (laughs) Definitely needs some work there, but it's nothing that can't be taught. And he has a lot of impressive attributes about him early on here, so good to see him promoted. Uh, You got Pat DeMarco and Jake Sanford. They were promoted to high A along with Anthony Volpe, who I've also mentioned on this show. He's done a terrific job in low A. And as I just said before, he got a deserved promotion to high A as well. Brendan Lockridge was promoted to double A. And Glenn Otto, another highly touted pitching prospect, was promoted to triple A. So lots of minor league promotions. Really good to hear all around for these kids. And... Definitely a main one I'm keeping an eye on is definitely Glenn Otto. I really like what he has to offer, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he does in AAA going forward. Pretty solid pitching prospect from what I understand. The Derby was on Monday. Alonzo won for the second time in a row, so congratulations to him. He did a terrific job. It was a really fun Derby. You had the All-Star game on Tuesday. The American League won for the eighth time in a row. I'm shocked. (laughs) Nauseating jerseys and all. All of that, along with Manfred, actually saying two beautiful things for once. Saying he doesn't think the seven-inning doubleheader and extra-inning rule will be a part of the long-term future going forward. Well, first of all, thank Christ. And second of all, I I didn't know how to feel. Rob Manfred, someone whose name makes our skin crawl at the mere mention of it. Saying something good. Weird. Weird times we're living in. (laughs) So that made my day instantly good when he announced that. I don't know about you. And Wednesday was a day off for everyone, obviously. So no Yankees baseball or any baseball until the Yankees versus the Red Sox was supposed to start Thursday. Or so we thought. We'll discuss that in a minute. So again, with the All-Star break and... Having already spoken about the last game in Houston a lot, the Boston series was obviously really the main thing we were going to recap from this past week. 
But then all the craziness happened beforehand, and then obviously throughout this series as well. But hours before what happened Thursday before the game, we actually got some big news. Obviously Thursday was quite the day with news, but let's start from the beginning and work our way through. First things first, I guess you could say this was sort of a continuation of the promotions talk from before with the minor leaguers. And I've spoken about how the Yankees should give guys who have been great down in the minors a chance, mainly guys like Hoy Park and Trey Ambergy. This team could use all the help they can get. And obviously this trend I'm about to tell you would continue with more COVID cases popping up later on, of course. But before all of that, it turned out early Thursday, they finally did that because Trey Ambergy was called up from AAA. So at first, before all the other news went haywire, it seemed like that they were finally willingly giving him a chance. And like we'd been saying, he deserves it. 26-year-old outfielder, 312 batting average, and 960 OPS in 32 games at AAA this season. He's done a fantastic job. So they signed him to a big league deal and added him to the 26-man roster. And seriously, despite everything else going on, congratulations to him on a well-deserved call-up. And alongside that, here's the rest, (laughs) there was more news coming into Thursday. COVID outbreak part two. Turns out, unfortunately, just as I had feared when it was announced that Loisaga came down with COVID, it didn't stop at him. I gave that news last week when it was announced, and I said, I hope it stops with him. It got me worried. And you know what? My worry was warranted. Because it was announced Nestor Cortez and Wandy Peralta to the COVID IL. So it seemed to be a mini outbreak in the bullpen. And we know the Yanks already had an outbreak earlier in the season, as I've mentioned. So let's hope they and the others that I'm about to mention can all recover and get past this. And particularly out in the bullpen, this especially stings to be without Cortez. Because as we've said, he's just been so good. But at least there was another piece of good news also with the bullpen. And that good news was that Zach Britton was again reactivated from the injured list. And I anticipated that going into the break, if you recall, so not surprised there, but certainly welcomed, especially with Cortez being gone for the time being. Never thought I'd say that coming into this year, but then again, who in the hell thought we'd be seeing almost everything we've seen so far this year? But it didn't end there, my friends. That, as a matter of fact, was only the beginning. For such an important series, like I've said time and time again, that games like these are the vital ones that the Yankees have to win if they want to have any sort of a chance, no time to waste whatsoever. They put themselves in this position, and they've got to get themselves out if they want to see the playoffs. And this Red Sox series was to be the first part of that, but it would have a dark beginning. Because on top of Loisica from last week, and then Cortez and Peralta this week, three more were said to be at least in COVID protocol. And later on, they would later test positive. Those three were later revealed to be Kyle Higashioka, 
Gio Urshela, and none other than the main man who was also at the freaking All-Star game around tons of other players around the league, Aaron Judge. Yep, this is a mess. So Thursday's game was canceled because of all this craziness, with potentially even more names to come, leaving the rest of the weekend at risk, which thankfully didn't happen. The rest of the games have been played. So you can mark Thursday's game as the first game canceled because of COVID in baseball since mid-April. Now, finally, to end off discussion on Thursday, that train wreck of a day, speaking of Hoy Park from before, it was even said that he too was being called up for infield help in light of Geo going through COVID protocol. So, glad to see him, of course, another one who deserves a call-up, but the reasoning for it is just crazy. What was an extremely important series to start the second half, as I've said, one that very well could determine or help determine the Yankees' future as far as playoff chances was officially made extremely complicated. As if anything else could go wrong in this disaster of a season. Let's throw in a second COVID outbreak. The baseball gods suck. But then on Friday, against everyone's expectations, they actually played the game. In a series that, honestly, everyone, including myself, thought was done for in light of the outbreak. And they did it. And they did it without basically all of, if not their only, sources of light and hope going forward. Without Judge, without Geo, without Loisaga, and yes, without Nestor Cortez. And also missing Higashioka and Peralta. All on the COVID IL until further notice. And Loisaga should hopefully be back by this week, but as of this point for this series... All on the COVID IL. Against the Red Sox, who they came into this weekend, as we know, being 0-6 against. In a stretch of games from now until the deadline that we've said could very well decide the playoff hopes for this team. The timing is freaking incredible. Impeccable. After the Thursday game was postponed, you now have 12 games 10 of them against the Red Sox and the Rays before the deadline, which I've repeated like a broken record, have to be won. At least the vast majority of them. And again, hopefully, with the exception of Loisaga at some point this coming week, they may have to play them all without all of those guys. (laughs) You can't blame them for getting COVID, but... I sure as hell can blame this team for putting themselves in this hole to begin with, with their awful first half. Like I said before, and they know this, but they put themselves in this position. And yes, even in impossible times like this, if they want to sniff the playoffs, it's going to be up to them to get themselves out. The only bright spot here, really, is the fact that Ambergie, and as I said before, even Park are finally getting chances that they deserve. But I wish it were under different circumstances. Oh, and also, before we recap this game, 
it was announced by Major League Baseball, just want to let you know this real quick, that Thursday's game will be made up in a split doubleheader on Tuesday, August 17th. So fortunately, they only have the one game to make up as opposed to a whole series worth. Because, I mean, who the hell wants to play 80 doubleheaders? No one I know. So anyway, obviously, we all came into this series now, that'll be wrapped up after tonight, saying, this should be interesting. (laughs) Oh, crap, I almost forgot this. (laughs) I mean, can you blame me? With all the crap that happens to this cursed team? And this is coming from someone who doesn't even believe in curses. But, (laughs) a couple hours before game time, it was announced that for what feels like the 30,000th time, that Voigt is hurt. So he hurt his knee again. Left knee inflammation was the official report. And I gotta tell you guys, I've always been a big Voigt fan. A lot of you know that. But my patience is basically gone with him. Even with all of his positive attributes, all the good things that he brings to the table... The guy can't play two weeks without a damn injury this year. And we know how many injuries he's had. Lots of guys all over, not just with the Yankees, have the same issue with injuries. I know. I'm not trying to single him out here. Just like I don't try to single most people out. (laughs) But, I mean, if we're being honest, no one this year has gotten hurt as frequently as him. And let's not pretend that he hasn't had problems before this too with injuries. Plenty. And at this point, it's it's gotten so bad with Voight that, you know what? If the right package were to be created in a potential trade at some point in the offseason, maybe. It depends on the deal, of course, but maybe look into it. It's just gotten ridiculous with him. It really has. He, and again, he still has his positives, like his bat and the years of control he has left. But if those things can work well in a good trade, in my opinion, you'd have to at least look into it. Even if the trigger isn't pulled, look into it. It's just ridiculous. And I hate, I hate this. I hate almost like turning on him at this point. There are still things I really love about the guy. His bat... The guy's fire, his accountability whenever he fails. But it's gotten so out of hand with his injuries at this point that I wouldn't be opposed to a trade idea. Especially if the return is solid. It depends on the trade, but who knows? Only time will tell, but I know a lot of other guys have injury problems, guys. Again, it's nothing personal towards Luke. It really isn't, I promise. But it's just gotten so ridiculous. You'd have to at least look into it. But anyway, that's my little Luke mini rant, I guess. But because he's back on the 10-day IL, Chris Giddens was called back up as well. And because of all the other roster losses too, because of the whole COVID mess, Rob Brantley was called up to help at catcher. And Greg Allen was even selected to the 26-man. So even more of the kids getting the spotlight this weekend. Kids or no kids, though, the Yanks' offense, they reverted right back to form on Friday night. And I'll make this recap a quick one, because outside of three-run Monty, 
I'm going to start calling him that now since all he does is give up three runs every single start and unfortunately get no run support whatsoever throughout. But outside of three-run Monty giving up three runs in six innings and Justin Wilson reminding us that he stinks giving up a solo shot to J.D. Martinez in the eighth, absolutely nothing happened in this game. Three hits. Three hits all night for the Yankee offense. Even though, I know, they're missing Judge and Geo. I know. Can't wait for that to be an excuse down the road by the Yankees, but still, absolute nothingness. Still can't hit 5 ERA Eduardo Rodriguez if their lives depended on it. And the Yankees lost the opening game of the series 4 to nothing. So, yeah, a recap that's short as hell because there's literally, like, nothing to say. <laughs> So, after that loss, make it 0-7 against Boston this year. Some things never change. And you know what? With this team, basically nothing ever does. No fight, no heart in this game. Like so many others throughout this season so far. Nothing. Alright, let's finish up this crazy weekly recap with Last night's whacked-out monsoon game, as I've come to call it. Played in the torrential rain, basically all game long. Raining like the end of the friggin' world at times. And towards the end of the rain-shortened game, some parts of the infield and the warning track were like puddles. I was like, what are we doing here? (sighs) And as far as doing, the Yanks were doing less than nothing, yet again, the first half of the game. Getting no hit by Ivaldi, who just continued owning them until the fifth inning. And Garrett Cole, who started the game, with the exception of that bloop RBI single off him, had been pitching masterfully all throughout. Had a great start. Monsoon and all. (laughs) Six innings, one run, five hits, two walks, and 11 strikeouts. Against that lineup. (laughs) So another great start by Cole, who would again be credited with another complete game after the rain stopped the game after six. But anyways, another great start for him amidst the offense not having a single hit until the fifth inning. Coming into that fifth inning, only having had three hits in the last 14 innings of play as a team. Then finally, Greg Allen of all people, (laughs) hits a double to spark something, and then DJ drove him in on a game-tying single. Greg Allen, one of three outfielders after LoCastro left the game with knee soreness, being him, Gardner, and Wade. Woof. I know. (laughs) But hey, I mean, he provided the spark. The 2021 Yankees having Greg Allen be the spark. Most nonsensical season of all time, I swear to God. <laughs> and on a serious note, it turns out that LoCastro, who I mentioned before, left with a sore knee, actually tore his ACL. Unfreaking believable. So shortly after coming to the Yankees to provide a bit of help in their tragedy of an outfield, mere weeks. Tim LaCastro gets one of the worst injuries 
a player can get. Put on just a 10-day IL now, but, I mean, an ACL tear is usually a done-for-the-year type injury, no? I'm sure we'll see what they announce going forward. It'll probably change, and they'll move him to the 60-day IL probably when they need the 40-man roster spot, but regardless, for him personally, I mean, what a colossally bad break. Just awful. My God. Regardless of who it is, you just, you never want to hear stuff like this. So I feel for him, and I hope his recovery is a speedy one. The team's cursed, guys, I swear. There's some sort of a hex at work here. There just has to be. (laughs) And just before, earlier today, it was announced that Ryan Lamar is coming back up to replace him. And you might remember some time ago that Lamar got hurt, but he's since come back and he's been playing in AAA again. So he's coming back up, and Estevan Floreal remains in AAA. And I'd love to see him, too, and the outfield situation can't get much worse, but I know, I've seen his numbers lately. He's been struggling badly in AAA of late, so we'll see when he gets his shot. Who the hell knows? (laughs) Anyhow, in the sixth inning, back to the game, when we stopped talking about the actual action, it was tied at one. And then Gary Sanchez, who's been back to struggling badly again lately hits a go-ahead solo shot, and then, I I can't even believe I'm saying this, but Glaber Torres, he hit a, I'm sorry, just the the disbelief of it all. He went back-to-back with Gary and hit a home run. I know, I can't believe it either. Just his fourth of the year in mid-July. Again, woof. (laughs) No more need be said. I mean, we've beaten the subject of how unbelievably disappointing Glaber's been to death. But nonetheless, that made it 3-1. to Then heading into the seventh, Garrett Cole seemed like he was headed back out there again with almost 100 pitches. But then the game finally went into a damn rain delay, and they wouldn't come back out. So in kind of a lame, rain-aided way, even though it's still a win, obviously, the Yanks would win by that score after six, three to one. And finally, get their first damn victory against the Red Sox in 2021. One that they desperately needed. Just a a really bizarre night. A bizarre series, honestly. A four-game set that's now a three-game set, split at one apiece after a weird game last night, from LeCastro tearing his ACL, to the Red Sox getting hosed on a few crucial calls, I'll admit. And my Red Sox fan listeners, I understand your frustration. Especially with that game against you that went to extras when the Yanks got badly screwed a while back. (laughs) So I feel you. But also, Glaber hitting a home run, them delaying the game with no rain for an hour to start with from 7 to 8, but then playing in a torrential downpour for hours, the fan hitting Verdugo with a ball, (laughs) I mean, it was just nuts. And now we head into the rubber game matchup for tonight. And tonight's game, 
is obviously no different than the rest of the games against Boston and other vital opponents in the playoff push in the sense that it is a must-win. And this episode will be going up after tonight's game is over, so you obviously know what happens by the time you're listening to this. But as far as what's ahead, at least at the time I'm recording now, (laughs) got tonight's game against the Red Sox. Off day tomorrow, Tuesday and Wednesday, the two games set against the Phillies here at Yankee Stadium. Both games will be at 7.05 Eastern, even though those are the only two until the deadline, not against the AL East. You still gotta win them. You gotta win them. And next weekend, of course, the Red Sox again. This time at Boston, again. (laughs) More must-wins if they want to have a shot at anything. Four games set, Thursday to Sunday. Thursday and Friday's games will be at 7.10 Eastern. Saturday at 4.05 Eastern. And Sunday, when we meet again, at 1.10 Eastern. And honestly, by then, I would think that we should know basically for sure, more or less, if they hypothetically have any hope left whatsoever, particularly for the division, even though confidence is already, as I said before, at a crazy low level, of course, and also what they should do come the deadline. We shall see, my friends. But as for now... I regret to inform you that that is all for episode 105 today. Please remember to follow me on all social medias so you can keep up on the latest having to do with me, the Yankees, and Yapping Yankees announcements, content, and Twitter and Instagram social media segments every Saturday. Follow my Facebook fan page at MikeScuderoNY. Follow me on Twitter at MikeScudero and on Instagram at MikeScuds97. Also, guys, please subscribe to the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel, and also show some love to Yapping Yankees on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And while you're at it, if you got the time, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you might have missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 105 today are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again, thank you, 3000, for listening to me yap today. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, July 25th, when I come at you with episode 106 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, guys, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, let's hope the boys can recover and return from COVID as soon as possible, and those on the field right now, I don't know what else to tell you other than the cold hard fact that if you want to sniff any sort of baseball in October, you gotta win these games, so get it done, or don't, it's up to you. (laughs) Enjoy your week, my friends. And take care.